to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Hello. What an awesome, awesome start to today. Thank you, Ben. Come on, let's give it up for these guys. Woo! We've already been so blessed, right? Ah, and now it's my privilege to share. And I thank our lead and location pastors for trusting me with that because it kind of feels a little bit weighty, a little bit of a privilege, actually a big privilege, and I'm really thankful for that. So here we go. I get to speak today on prayer, one of my very favourite things. Probably the thing I love the most about a relationship with God is that he wants to talk to us. And we know that we are crafted for prayer. We know that God made us that way. Even when we wish or hope or daydream, part of that is, is that, that sense of communication with something other and bigger than ourselves that we need. So we know that we should pray. Uh, we know that we want to pray. And Paul encourages us quite strongly in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says this, and I love the banner, the bar he sets so high here. Rejoice always. Anyone here do that? Pray continually. Anyone? Give thanks in all circumstances. I am three for three on the zero so far. Anyone else? Okay. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it is God's will for us people to be a people of prayer. In all circumstances, continually, with rejoicing, with thanksgiving, looking to our beautiful Father God. So for me, a word that sums up prayer is actually the word home. And I know that some of our homes aren't perfect and some of our fathers aren't ideal, but I want us to imagine a perfect home, a home where you can phone up any time, night or day, get advice, help and love and encouragement. A home where you can guilt-free and maybe calorie-free raid the fridge and be refueled and feel amazing. A place where we find out who we are, where we're known, loved, accountable, a place where we get to grow in safety, guided, corrected, gently, purposefully, a place to rest and relax, and a place to dwell in the Father's presence and know we are 100% loved. This is the sense of prayer I believe God wants for every single one of us. So no matter where you are on your prayer journey today, I'm hoping that by sharing some of my story, we can all be encouraged to move a little closer to this sense of home in prayer. So next weekend, I'm going to enter my sixth decade of life. Not quite my hundredth past event, I'm working on it. You know, some of us might get to live that long, who knows. Uh, but six. So I've lived almost that many, five decades. It's, it's long, yeah. In preparing for this, I realised I gave my heart to the Lord 40 years ago. And I'm sorry, but I think someone older than me should be saying that number. That just sounds way too big, right? 
Anyway, I want to share today about the ups and downs of the ongoing journey of prayer. So we're going to start decade by decade. Please don't switch off if I'm talking about a decade that you're yet to get to. You never know. I might be able to, you know, forewarn you on something or give you some, you know, secret past entry into that decade advice. All right. Decade number one was not a decade of prayer really for me at all. Zero to ten. We don't tend to remember that decade all that clearly. So I did check in with my mum and my sister to make sure I was remembering things accurately. And my mum and dad met and married in church, but unfortunately the allure of sleeping in on a Sunday and having more time for themselves and pursuing of hobbies kind of took a hold, and so they stopped going to church before my sister and I were born. However, God wasn't done with them or with my sister and I yet. Mum was having a conversation with some girlfriends who all had small babies, and they were talking about allowing their children to choose whether or not they had faith in God. And Holy Spirit just took a hold of my mum and said, well, you know, how are your kids going to choose God if they don't know about God? So mum packed us up, took us to church. Dad wasn't encouraging, didn't come along, but she did it. And parents, if that's you today, if you are the one carrying the spiritual burden in your family alone, I really feel so strongly Ah, that God just wants to cheer you on today, that no matter how grindy it is, that no matter how difficult it is, just keep going. The seeds that are being sown are going to produce more than you can ask or imagine. Hold on to that. Hold on to it. Lean in. Keep going. Even if you're, you know, tangling up with kids in the car park, just bring them in. Yeah. Okay, so there wasn't a lot of prayer in this decade, but I do remember a beautifully illustrated Bible story book that was purchased, I think, by mum. And we had bedtime stories that had that and they had questions at the end and prayers at the end after these stories. And I remember being sort of drawn to those prayers. There was something appealing when we sat and prayed through those prayers. So beautiful written prayers, like our liturgies, have been a part of my life for quite a long time. When I was eight, my parents separated and we moved in with mum's parents and they went to church. They said grace, they prayed, they had Bible. There was a whole lot more God in our world. And I remember my nana as just this amazing, strong, prayer warrior, faith-filled woman. She was the one who wrote love and God bless on every single card and she meant it. She would write scriptures on bookmarks and hand them to me. And I didn't really realise the significance of those until years later. So grandparents, if that's you, if you are praying for your grandchildren, to come into the house to know Jesus. Keep speaking life over them. Don't even let their scoffing rattle you. Just tell them, I'm praying for you. This is the scripture I'm praying over your life right now. Write it down, hand it to them. Bless their lives because there is power and authority in what you are praying. I cannot encourage you parents and grandparents enough to have prayer over your children and grandchildren. If you are a parent or a grandparent today, I'd love for you to stand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Wow. If you consider yourself a spiritual parent or a chaplain or a mentor, can you also stand? That would be amazing. All right, Father God, I thank you right now for your anointing to parent and grandparent in this house. I thank you that you are the Lord that blesses to the thousandth generation those who are covered by the people standing right here. 
people of faith, people of hope, people with a heart for Jesus, carrying that to their children and their grandchildren. So I just pray off hopelessness and weariness in the well doing right now in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would stir a fire today to be those that are heritage makers in their family for the generations to come. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, decade number two, tweens, two teens kind of ages. They were fun. Okay, the year I turned 10, my mum, my sister and I moved to Perth, a place I didn't even know existed until I arrived here. So sorry, all the Perth people who were born and bred here had no idea where I was moving. Mum committed from the get-go. The very first Sunday morning we were here, we got in the car and we went to church. We actually got to the end of our street and Mum turned around and said to us, which way should we turn? We're just going to go find a church. How good was that? We, we landed in a great church. At that time, I didn't really know a lot about church, but I knew that I loved what it did for my mum. I could see it strengthening her. I saw her reading her Bible. I saw her praying. And I was so heartened by the fact that God was over us and was with us. I knew it wasn't just my mum, that there was something extra in our house. So that is so important, parents. I made an amazing decision when I turned 10 amidst the upheaval of moving and everything else, I joined a girls' brigade at Scarborough Baptist Church. And in that beautiful discipleship community, prayer became real. And I said, oh, I'm going to cry. Ha, ah, that beautiful prayer giving my heart to Jesus in 1981 in September. So almost exactly 40 years ago. Ha, ah, parents, I cannot encourage you enough. Encourage your kids to get to life, kids. Come to junior youth, come to senior youth, come to church, because it's in this environment. For me, amidst other young people who love Jesus, amidst the craft and the fun and the whatever, that's where Jesus came alive. That is going to be life-changing. And, you know, some weeks I didn't fancy going, but mum was like, off your trot. We went. We got there and I had to wear a funny hat and a uniform and all kinds of marching went on. It was kind of weird. But that is where I met Jesus and said the most important prayer of my life. So this decade started really strong. And then the teens came along. A couple of things happened. I didn't have any Christian friends at school. I actually had one, but she was a bit nerdy. Um, <laughs> I didn't really want to associate with her. <laughs> really mean of me. That's where I was at, teenagers, man. And I, our church split and all my friends stayed behind in the other half of the church. So the influence of God was not as strong and I, I began to begrudgingly attend church. Mum insisted on it, but I, I didn't want to be there. I used to try and reel out of it, plan Saturday night sleepovers at other people's houses so I didn't have to attend. That was where I was at. I do know a couple of things though. I know my mum was praying for me. And I know that, you know, amidst these friends who weren't Christians, there were opportunities to do things that I could have followed. But it was like I took a step and it was like, ooh, this far and no further. No thanks. Ooh, this is, no, no, I don't want to do that either. So I know the power of a praying mum in my life and I'm really thankful for it. 
I know that attending church in this time made a difference and that there was prayer cover over me and I really do thank my mum for insisting that we attended church. I know she she didn't love doing that on her own and continually bringing that up each, each Sunday morning, but we did it. That's what we did. So even in this drift, weirdly, I still prayed. I would pray when I was stressed. I would pray when I needed help with my homework. I would pray when I was walking home from catching a bus late at night home from a friend's house because I was scared. And these weren't prayers of relationship, but they were prayers of knowing that's where my help was going to come from. So there was still some acknowledgement that God had power and authority, and I sought it in prayer, and I'm really I'm pleased that I did. In my late teens, two wonderful things happened that really grew this prayer motor and, and, I don't know, I guess understanding of prayer within me. One was I'd had a back injury since I was 12 from falling in a swimming pool, meant that I couldn't run and couldn't do high jump or long jump or things that I used to enjoy. And visiting preacher came to our church, pointed towards where I was sitting and said, there's a back injury there that needs healing. Now, I was freaked out. I was not going forward. You could have paid me lots of money. I still was not. But my mum had faith and just placed her hand on my back. And I had this hot hand of healing on my back for three days and then my back was healed. So this faith for healing and the power of prayer was sealed in me that day. I, I couldn't explain it any other way. I knew that that was real and true. And then in my very late teens, I went to an Easter camp. And there we were led through some beautiful prayers where we were asked to journal and to write scriptures and to pray, write prayers from the scriptures, putting ourselves in the word of God. And so new prayer habits formed, devotion, journaling, those kind of things. So that all happened uh, around the sort of late teens, early 20s stage. Decade number three, 20s. Woo, here we go. Are we still with me? Are we all awake? Excellent. All right. I had a really beautiful and transformational experience on the altar in my early 20s. A different visiting preacher had given an altar call. I can't even remember what the altar call was for now because it wasn't the most significant part of the morning for me. But they were praying down here and I was standing down here and I was just waiting in the presence of the Lord. And there was a long line of people, so I was way down that end. And Holy Spirit started whispering, this is my voice. That's your thought. This is my voice. And I was like, wow. And do you know, the shepherd wants his sheep to know his voice. You can pray and ask for that as well. I'm not special. He just was whispering because we had time and I was waiting and I was in his presence. So that's all you need. All you need is time, his presence and ask God, help me, Lord, to know how to hear your voice. So that was transformational, but it didn't mean I had a superpower all of a sudden where 24-7 I heard, God, woo, I'm so good. No, it was an invitation to spend time in prayer listening to God. And so my prayers changed, less of me, more of him, less of all the things in my heart and more of, God, what do you want to say to me? That voice is cool. I want to hear it more. And so thinking about 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 again, We're told to pray continually or to pray without ceasing. And John Bevere has a quote, and I love it. He says, so if God says pray without ceasing, then he's willing to communicate without ceasing. And so this is what Holy Spirit was growing in me at the time, a desire for more of him, a desire to keep a conversation open 
where I could speak, where he could speak. I knew he was listening to me and I was learning to listen to him. So that was beautiful in my early 20s. I started having this amazing prayer life, great devotional life. I was pretty good at it. I had a little bit of pride going on. I've got this Christian girl thing down. And then I got engaged and married and there was a boy in my prayer world. Ew! (laughs) And we had to learn to pray together. We wanted to learn to pray together. But I was so routine and neat and tidy. He would go for a walk and come back with 27-point download from God. And I'd be like... You didn't spend hours this morning reading the Bible and journaling. Like, it just messed with my head, but it was great. We learned there's no one way to pray, that God meets us exactly where we're at, personality type and, 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 you know, flavor and energy and time. God will meet us there if we give Him the opportunity. So, we really fought and wrestled to carve out a, a prayer life together. It isn't enough as a couple to just pray individually. It is so much better to commit to prayerfully considering things together. Big decisions, small decisions, the lot. So if you are uh, in youth, young adults, newly married, engaged, seriously dating, could you please stand? I want to pray for you this morning. (laughs) Newly married, I don't know. You haven't got kids yet maybe? I don't know, something like that. Yeah. All right, Father God, I thank you. Hold out your hands, people. I just feel like there's an infilling right now. Father, I thank you that you want us to hear your voice. I thank you for the stirring within each and every person standing. They know their need of you. I just pray right now for an unblocking of ears in the name of Jesus. I pray for a fire in the belly to carve out a more personal, more robust, more committed prayer life in the name of Jesus. Father, for every couple represented here, I pray for a unity in prayer. I ask, Lord, that you would bless these marriages, bless these relationships, draw them to you and draw them together in the name of Jesus. Father, for those facing decisions right now, I ask that you'd give them ears to hear the way you're leading them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. All right, you may take a seat, everybody. All right, if I thought that a husband was an interruption to my prayer life, I was in for an even bigger shock having a baby. Because I'm an early morning get up and pray person. My baby got up early and cried and wanted me. So there went that. And prayer, oh my goodness. We tried praying, we would fall asleep. Derek's a bit of a sleep talker, so some interesting prayers were said on the way to sleep. (laughs) We prayed for some wackadoo things. So this was a really hard time. I felt like I'd had the prayer rug ripped out from underneath me. I didn't feel like there was time, even in worship, you know, when you first have your baby with you in church, I just felt like there was this other presence sort of between me and God. And so I had to learn again, how do I fight through that? How do I stand in worship and focus on the Lord? Where do I find time? And it was really in those little spaces of aloneness, like at 
the washing line or in the shower. That prayer continued. But I can only encourage you, if you have a newborn and it's overwhelming and intense, A, it gets better, and B, just keep praying. It really does make a massive, massive difference. Pray for their sleep. The Bible says that uh, the Lord you know, gives rest and peace to those whom he loves. Well, if that isn't sleep, I don't know what is. So start declaring that over your babies and enjoy some sleep. All right, decade number four, family life continued in my 30s. We added two more children to our family. Derek and I prayed a whole lot more. And we determined every night to pray with our children before bed. Even on those nights where all we wanted to do was throw them into bed, close the door and run and sit on the sofa. Even then, we would breathe out and go, all right, Lord, let's bring it back to peace. Let's pray for this family again. Let's pray blessing over our children in the hopes that tomorrow might be an easier day. So definitely learned that praying in family life made family life so much smoother. The days we didn't pray, the things we didn't pray about were nowhere near as easy as the things and times when we did. So invite God into your everyday people. I started prayer journaling again during this time and I look back and it's full of things like toilet training and sippy cups and please Lord let my child take a sippy cup, you know, silly things like that but they were everyday moments and when I read back I can see God's hand of faithfulness, it really grew my faith. And in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding of anything, guys. Don't get wise in your own eyes. Make sure God's a part of it. In all your ways, toilet training, whatever, acknowledge him, pray, talk to God. Just keep a a communication happening and he will make your path straight. Put yourself, put your everyday life into that scripture and start walking that out. Start praying more continually. Okay, mid-30s, I had a beautiful third child and he was a little bit quirkier than the others and he did not like to uh, feed during the day because what if he missed something? He was a party animal. So the only way to get him to feed was either at night, and who wants to be up all night feeding, or to sit in a darkened room. This was well before I owned a smartphone, so what else could I do in a darkened room except pray? And it was a really amazing space. God showed up. It was still. It was quiet. And it was deep. And Holy Spirit started crafting gifts of intercession and the prophetic in me. And I was really unsure (laughs) But God would say things to me like, tell your friend that she's going to have a family, it's just going to be difficult. Wow. I sat on that one for weeks. (laughs) I didn't want to share that news with anybody. But eventually I did. And yes, my beautiful friend has two children now and one in heaven and it was difficult for her. But she had hope because God had spoken. I'd listened and obeyed. I got a bit bold. So wonderful people, if you are wanting the gifts of Holy Spirit, the fruit of Holy Spirit in your life, seek him and ask him to grow it in you. Find the still quiet space, give him space, give him time and it will happen. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 
And that verse is for us all. Call to him and he will answer us. He wants to reveal himself and and prophetic, beautiful things to us. So eagerly desire that stuff. Ask for it and then step boldly into it. All right, decade five, we're almost done. 40s, woohoo! The year Derek and I turned 40, we changed churches and came here. Yay! <laughs> One of the first preachers we ever heard was Pastor Jay's preaching, if you can think it, you can pray it. And that has stuck with us. So if you are worried about stuff, if you are pondering things, if you are meditating in worry, you can pray. So that's a good thing to take a hold of. I had new opportunities to listen to new voices, to pray with new leaders, to learn to pray for healing and freedom in new ways. If you want to learn to pray, position yourself with people who pray. Listen and learn. It's actually not that hard. Anyone who's got a prayer fire in them, like Pastor Cherry, would be more than happy for you to join her when she's praying and add fuel to that fire. Bring your faith along. Throw the log on. She'd be very happy to do that. There are plenty of us who love to pray for healing and would love to help you. If you have a healing gift brewing in you, come along, listen and learn how it's done. I've been, where's Pastor Leslie? I've been listening to this lovely lady and learning how to do that. So that's what we do. In Luke 11, 1, Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's the only thing they asked him, or it's recorded, that they specifically asked to be taught. Because they knew Jesus prayed, and they knew it was the key to his effective ministry, that that communication with God, that Jesus' relationship with God and communication with him was the difference. Okay, early 40s, I stepped into a pastoring role and the ability to seek God in the quiet space, in that deep secret space, was all the more relevant because none of us can leave where we haven't been ourselves. Uh, I was called by God to get up even earlier. But it's worth it. (laughs) And I actually commit to praying for every person in my generation on Tuesdays. I've got a rolling alphabetical list now that I've just started. And uh, so if I start texting you, you'll know why. It's a new thing that I feel like God's asked me to do in this quiet space and in this role. Leadership requires to know this still small voice of God and to obey it. We are sheep and the shepherd wants us to know that he does call and he does lead and we need to fine-tune the listening and the obedience in the following. Now, I'd love to tell you that every decade has just been gloriously better and better in this prayer space, and I've been a little lighthearted about some things. But actually, my 40s was a time of some of the worst time in prayer that I've ever faced. Times of death and grief, and the answer being no, when I really wanted a yes. Yep. So learning to pray and developing a robust prayer life is one thing, but continuing to pray in the face of hurt and disappointment and unanswered prayers, that's really tough. And I know many of you are sitting here today exactly in that space. Giving thanks in all circumstances is no easy task. I remember in this time sometimes simply saying, God, I believe you are good in the face of things in life that were not good. 
I remember tucking myself into bed at night and the only thing that I could pray was, thank you, Lord, that you love me. Determined that even this season would not separate me from the love of our beautiful God because he declares nothing will. And holding on to that kept the loud noises of pain and hurt away enough that I could get to sleep. I had to let go of the unanswerable why. I had to take a hold instead of the character and goodness of who I was praying to and make that the rock for standing on in prayer. So I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I feel that there's some today that are carrying this space. Heaviness, disappointment, hurt. So I'm just quickly going to pray. Father God, I thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. I thank you that you want to hold us close and that you want to speak into our pain and into our circumstances. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would just touch hearts, remind us again of your goodness, of your tenderness and your comfort. And Lord, I ask right now that you would soften hearts and take a hold of hands and draw the hurting back to speaking with you in prayer again today. Whisper in their ears right now, Lord. Bless and fill and hold in Jesus' name. So what will the next decade hold? I don't know. But I do know that every great revival is birthed in prayer. Personal revival, corporate revival. I'm excited by what I sense God doing in the spiritual, in myself, in us as a church, in the wider body. And so I am keen to pray into that. If we want things to shift people, we need to be people of prayer. If we want to see things move in a different direction, if we want to see our loved ones in the house, then we pray and we commit to praying. I can see that in every decade there was something that could have distracted me or drawn me away from this place of prayer. But I know in looking back that every prayer prepared me better for whatever came next than if I hadn't. So keep praying. Keep praying. Church, let's be a people at home in prayer. With prayer in our homes and in our hearts where God meets with us, replenishes us and loves us. Let's be a people who learn to pray continually. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.